This is the Loving Liberty Network. This is the Liberty Mom Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense, the real protectors of the home front. And we are there when it comes to protecting our family and our communities. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so happy to have you with us. I'm here with my co-host, Liberty Mom, Chris Kimball. Chris, thank you so much for being with me. I'm so excited to do this together because Chris and I are in Boston right now, the birthplace of freedom of, for America, and we came for Patriot's Day. Thank you, Chris. Delane, thank you for inviting me. I had no idea what Patriot's Day was, and <laughs> many of our listeners may already know this because we know that we've got some really smart Liberty moms and dads, but Patriot Day is celebrated every year on April 19th, and it is the anniversary of the Battle of Lexington and Concord and the shot heard round the world, the infamous shot heard round the world. And so Delane was kind enough to throw out an invitation and say, hey, I want to be there and I don't want to go alone. And I said, great, I'll go with you. I know Chris is so great that way. We have a lot of fun traveling together and because she's such a great patriot and fun to travel with, I thought she'd be a great companion. And I just thought this was a great year to try to hurry and get it in. Um, unfortunately, they didn't have all the reenactments that they have this year because of, of huge fear of a virus that 99.9% .9 of people in the United States survived from. But there's so much fear surrounding it. They didn't have the courage to, in the birthplace of liberty, to... Um, to celebrate our liberty in person. They did it via Zoom, although we did still get to see a lot of things, and it was we've had a super fun time and a great time, and it's been really excellent. And learn, I've still learned a lot, even though I felt like I've studied this for years. There are some things that I learned, which is always so much fun. We're going to talk to you and share with you what Patriot's Day is and what actually happened, because it's so fun to put all the puzzle pieces, the kind of the stories that you've heard over your lifetime and as a child, and kind of put these stories together and help them make sense and see how they fit. So this is April 18th, 1775. So this is a year before the founders signed the Declaration of Independence. And April 18th, in the evening, now America colonists, I should say, the colonists had amazing, um, really quite some good intelligence. And they knew that the British were planning to go and do an attack on the colonists because what happened is we had John Hancock and Samuel Adams who were really kind of the fathers of the revolution and the ones that really stirred the pot and kind of got everything all, kind of got everybody excited and feeling like we needed to do something. It was time for a revolution. So they were 
they were kind of hiding out in Lexington, and the British became aware of that. And so because they were in Lexington, they, they were... <laughs> so because they were in Lexington kind of hiding out from the British, the British found out that they were in Lexington, or that they thought they were, and they also knew that the colonists had stashed a lot, cached a ton of ammunition in Concord. And so they had two game plans. One, the king said, we've got to stop this insurrection. It's gone too far. It is time to take care of it. We've got to stop it. And so the king sent his army over there and said, squelch this. Get it? Squelched. we got to stop it. And so he wanted them to capture Samuel Adams and John Hancock and also get the cache of ammo. Um, so they went into the Boston Harbor. They arrived in the Boston Harbor, and the British did. And Paul Revere, this is when Paul Revere became, he, he was kind of a spy, and he and his friends became aware of the fact that the British were going to come and try to go get them. So they had this plan. I will put one lantern in the church if it's by land, and I'll put two if it's by sea. And as we know, the British were coming by sea, so he put two lanterns in the church and letting them know that he was coming, that they were coming through their ships into the harbor. So he got himself and he got his friend, William Dawes, to ride to go warn the Patriots, but they felt that there was a very, very high chance that they would be captured, and so they decided for them, both of them, to go and to take two different pathways, and Paul Revere crossed the, crossed over the river so that they would be taking two different pathways, doubling their chances of making it to the colonists in Lexington and warning them. So as they're going along, they are going along, they leave about 10 o'clock at night, and that, that's on the 18th of April. They take off, and they're riding their horse, and what they, what they did is the British had literally taken and confiscated every boat that the colonists had. But the colonists were very smart, and they were able to take one boat, and they hit, hit it, and they had, so they had one boat that would, they could cross the bay and the river. And so they had saved that boat for this very moment. So Paul Revere was able to take a boat across. And then they had also secured him not just a fine horse, but a fine racing horse, one that could hold up with that kind of speed and hold up with that kind of mileage. And so he rode the horse, and he rode and just as fast as he could go to warn and he figured he was about two hours ahead of the British soldiers to warn John Hancock and Samuel Adams. And then William Dawes was also charging ahead and trying to get there. Well, not very far, just less than five miles before Paul Revere makes it to Lexington to warn them, he is captured by the British. So they capture him and take him. And then at the same time, he and William Dawes had actually joined up, and William Dawes was able to barely escape, but unfortunately they shot his horse, and so he didn't have any way 
he could only run to the to the John Adams and Sam, or Samuel Adams and John Hancock. And so he was kind of put out of commission, but they also came across another patriot who was actually just finishing up a date and he was out in the up in the night and so he was um, available and so he ran he proceeded on the rest of the way and he was able to make it to John Hancock's grandparents' home in Lexington where they were both hiding from the British. And so they had a lot of ammunition, but that was in Concord. And they had that well hidden, but they did have it a little bit. And Concord is just five miles farther west than Lexington. And Lexington is 14 miles from Boston Harbor. So that was 14 miles that they both rode on horseback through the night, leaving about 10 o'clock at night. They were anticipating that the British would get there about three o'clock in the morning. So they got there about two and were able to warn the Patriots and the Sons of Liberty. And then they let them know that the British were coming. And so they, the Minutemen got out, they were out in the town square, every town in England and then every town in the colonial America always had a, a um, town's green. They, built the entire town around this green that was a green park space. And so all the Minutemen were to come and meet there, which they did. They got together and as they had 70 men that met at the town green. And then what happened is the British didn't come. They didn't arrive. And so they started thinking they're not coming. So you know how you waited? In anticipation and you think it's going to happen and then you wait and wait and wait and it doesn't happen and so they were very concerned that they just asked Captain Parker can we just go home can we just go back we're freezing cold and very uncomfortable and so I'm gonna we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna come right back and finish the rest of the story of the Battle of Lexington and Concord of fur. Our hairballs have hairballs. Our cat mama, she's 10 years old. She has dandruff and an oily coat. I have two cats, Zippy and Daisy. Daisy sheds like crazy. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them, to live long, healthy, happy lives. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I just tried this wonderful, catalicious Dynavite for cats, and my cat has been on it for two weeks. She is not scratching anymore. She's not chewing anymore. It is just the best. I was thrilled when I heard Dynavite for cats was coming out because I had seen the changes in my dog. To introduce my cat to Dynavite, I took the advice from Dynavite and put their food on top of just a scoop in the bowl just to get them used to it because I know if I even switch one little thing, they put their nose up to it. There was not one problem. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your cat will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. And I just help. 
Awesome and amazing day. Hey there, friends. It's John and Chelsea Jubilee. And today we have a message for you women out there. Are you premenopausal, postmenopausal, or maybe you're in the middle of menopause right now? Ouch. Listen, we have thousands of clients that have reported reversing all of their symptoms of menopause. Or maybe you have thyroid imbalances. Same thing for those women. Listen, this is your time. Absolutely. You can reverse all of those symptoms and you can be your real joyful, exuberant, and lean self again. Ladies, I don't care if six doctors told you you can't lose that fat after menopause or in menopause. You can. We have done it hundreds and hundreds of times, even in a medical setting documented. So make your action call today. Log on to EnergizeHealth.com, EnergizeHealth.com, or call 888-444-8895. That's 888-444-8895. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one. One easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. Welcome back. You are listening to Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. And I'm your host today, Delaine England, here with Chris Kimball. And we are in Boston, and we are tell- we have just experienced uh, the Battle of Lexington and Concord, and we are just in the middle of the story. So, so you know, Delaine, I wanted to mention yeah. something about that evening because it was so riveting to hear the story about you know we hear you know paul revere one if by land two if by sea riding the horse and and as you explained earlier there's two um well at least william dawes on on the way to lexington but what's interesting is every town that they go through the bell the belfry tower starts ringing because they notify whoever and it's usually a young boy it's a young boy that's in charge of the Belfry Tower. And when he goes up to ring that tower bell, it rings and rings and rings because that is what is going to wake up all of the, the patriots and the Minutemen that live in that area. Minutemen were like the special forces that we have today. But that would awaken them to show up and know that they had to go to the commons. They had to meet up at the commons. And so you'd hear this this uh, wave of bell ringing from each community as, as they rode inland from Boston. And I just think that's phenomenal. I mean, just to imagine that, um, that the, the, oh my gosh, the, uh, the adrenaline knowing that the, yeah. the British are coming because they've never experienced this before where they're bringing in 800 soldiers to, 
take their ammunition to squelch the rebellion. And uh, it, it was just phenomenal. So uh, you had gotten to the part where they had um, alerted Sam Adams and, and John Hancock. And then they had driven or rode their horses onto Concord, right? Because they had right. to warn Concord next. And yes, and see, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have telephones. So, but they did have this amazing network of how to contact each other. So they sent word out, and like Chris said, they sent word out, and then they would ring the belfry, and that would alert the, the patriots. But you know what? Many of the colonists were not patriots. Many of them were Tories, which meant they did not want to get be in bad favor with the king. They wanted to stay in good favor with the king. So while you're alerting the patriots, you're also alerting the Tories who are literally your friends and neighbors amongst you that are also not in, not in with you. They're not siding with you. And so that is one of the kind of the drawbacks, but that is how they alerted each other. And yeah, what, what an amazing time. And they had had, they had had scuffles with the British before, but nothing they, and they were really anticipating another scuffle, but nothing serious. They did not anticipate anything quite this serious. They really thought they could just stop them from getting John Adams and, um, or excuse me, Samuel Adams and John Hancock. I'll just say Samuel and John. And um, they figured they could stop them if they were warned. So the British are continuing in. And the colonists are warned. The colonists are meeting. They have about 70 colonists that meet on the town square, the town green of Lexington. And as I said, they were, they went, they wanted to go in because they were miserable and cold and hungry and tired. And so John Parker's like, you know, it's so hard to get them back, but um, we do need to, you know, we don't want to have them wait for nothing. So he sent, he sent some a spy, and he asked, had them go and check and see. And then it was a young, a young, brave patriot soldier, never came back. So he sent another. They never came back. So then he decided, okay, I'm going to send an older gentleman. And so he sent one of the older men in their town, and he went and he said, oh, yes, I found, he was much more cautious. He was slower. He was watching. He wasn't feeling quite so gutsy. He was like being a lot more more careful. And he found the British hiding in the bushes. And so he went back and he told John Parker, the captain, that the British were definitely indeed coming. So then he rang the belfry and he had the drummer drum. And that was the drummers when they would drum this certain drum that would alert and warn the the, all the Minutemen, the special forces, that it was time to gather. And they have a special beat, a special drum beat that they would beat that meant exactly that, come and gather. It is time to come together. So they did. They, they came together, and they were there. And instead of meeting the British soldiers on the road, they did not do that. They did not want to be confrontational. They did not want to be in your face. They did not want to have a war. They, they met over on the very edge of the green as just to say, we're going to stand our ground, but we're not confronting you. But, and many times this had happened where the 
if you're aware, the British had for at least the last five years had been declared martial law. So that meant that the British soldiers had been living in the towns and in the cities in Boston with the colonists, and there were about... Chris, what was the what was the percentage he said? Four to every ten? Four to every four, thirteen. Four there were four British soldiers to every thirteen patriots. So just imagine that, how that is a lot of police officers just hanging around being in your face everywhere you go, everywhere you you <clears throat> happen to go to. There they are. And that is you, what they had been living under for a number of years. And they didn't well, and like I, it. What I thought was interesting, too, was with the militia, it was everyone in the community that was 16 to 60. Okay, yeah. so every man in the community and sometimes women um, throughout the course of the war would dress up as men to be able to serve. And they would serve until they were found out and then they were discharged. But anybody that was 16 to 60 was part of the militia and it's interesting because we have that in our constitution today we have the militia that is available in our in each state each state has its own militia that that basic idea of being able to defend your own country your own state still exists today and then the other thing the two oldest people i think some of the oldest people that were in the battle that particular day at Lexington were 78 years old. Yeah. Yeah. The two, I mean, it just, it just made my heart weep because these individuals were so passionate about their freedom and their Liberty. These, these were men 70, almost 80 years old. They were willing to give up their life if necessary to defend their Liberty from the king, from the crown, from that tyranny that they'd been going through. Because keep in mind, the colonists had lived 150, 160 years in total freedom. They had lived and governed themselves very well in this free state. And then after the French and Indian War, when the king was running out of money, he started suppressing, he started taking their rights away from them. He started taxing them, but more than that, not just taxing and all kinds of taxes, he started taking their representation, taking their freedom away, taking their government away, and started ruling over them. And they knew what liberty was like, so they weren't having it. They didn't like it. And But as the Declaration of Independence says for Thomas Jefferson, all experience has shown that while that men will suffer, while evils are sufferable, than to right the wrongs to which they have grown accustomed. And I cannot help but think that so much of people today. We are losing our liberties. We're having them trumped all over. And yet we are going accustomed to it. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back.
welcome. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is Delane England with Chris Kimball. I'm my co-host, and we're so happy that you joined us today. We're going to finish the story of the Battle of Lexington and Concord. And so we're at the place where the colonists have lined up on the, on the town green, but not on the road, not in to confront the British, but along the side. But the British come right up to them, and they confront them. So they are standing about 100 to 150 feet away from the colonists, but right where they are. And the, the um, commander of the British, he says, he sees them, and he sees them with their arms, and he yells at them, Disperse ye rebels, lay down your arms. But they did not lay down their arms, and they did not disperse. They stood their ground. And, um, oh, he also said, disperse ye villains. And he used a few ex expletives and used some English swear words and, and telling them to, but they did not. They stood their ground. And so then the colonists were given very strict instructions by John Hancock, we are never to fire first. Never fire until fired upon. So the colonists stood there and stood their ground. They did not lay their arms down, but they also did not fire. And then suddenly, Captain John Parker, he could see, we are so outnumbered. There's 800 British. We have 70 of our men. We're not we haven't gathered all of the Minutemen yet. This is not wise. So he commanded his men to turn and to walk away. It wasn't what you would really call a retreat. Disperse. It was a disperse, an orderly disbursement. So thank you, Chris. So he said, let's do an orderly disbursement, which is where they just turn around and they walk away orderly and just disperse to their homes. And as they did that, all of a sudden, there was a shot heard. Now, to this day, we do not know if that shot was by a British or a colonist, although not likely, because they had turned away. Um, it also could have been a shot from someone uh, not even there at the battle scene. It could have been a shot elsewhere, but when this shot rang out, the British started shooting at the colonists. So most of them got shot in the back. And they killed eight colonists and wounded 10. And, of course, th that point, then, the colonists being so outnumbered, there was nothing to stand your ground on. And they started to run. And they ran as fast as they could and fled the scene and ran to their homes or ran for cover and ran to, started to run into the bush and try to hide from the British. Now, it is true that the British could have easily killed all of 70 of them at that time. But I think personally, just my opinion, divine intervention, the British commander realized this is not our mission. Our mission is not right. to more, to just mow down the colonists. That Our mission is to capture these two and to go get the ammunition. And that was in Concord. So he told them to reform, to get back into formation, and then to get back on the road and to start to march back on down the road to Concord where they could get 
what they were looking for. You know, Delane, that battle, when he, we had a reenactment uh, of a character dressed up in, in, in costume that was giving us the information. And he's done this for a number of years. Um, 30 years. Years and years and years. And so he, he's very passionate and willing about it. And there's three homes around this commons that are called witness buildings because they are buildings that were there during this particular battle. So, you know, 246 years ago, these three buildings were still standing. And it was heartbreaking because um, Robert Harrington, his home was right across the street. His wife and child were watching the battle from their windows. It was right there, right in their front yard, basically, just across from the commons. And he was one of those that had been shot and he was able to crawl up to his home and died right there on the, the footstep of his home with his wife. It was just heartbreaking, some of these stories. And and further up the road on another, uh, you know, we have, I mean, today there's buildings and homes all around the commons, so it's hard to imagine this. But um, many of these people that lived in the area, these women and, ch- you know, with their children, they're watching this happen in real time. They, they can see it from their homes. And think how terrifying that would be to know that your husband, your brother, your son, your father, whomever is, has gone down to stand their ground and, you know, stand up against this, this British um, regiment that's there to um, destroy their ammunition so they can quell this rebellion. They're just going to try and wipe it out, you know, right away. So it was very, very... Um, Oh, it's heartbreaking to hear that story. And then to learn that they were shot in the back. Yeah. I mean, oh, my goodness. Um, Just so, so, so bad. But, you know, there's more to the story because they go on to Concord. There's more to the story. Before we go on to that, I just wanted to share the our tour guide. He's been doing these reenactments for 30 years. And he said each time he does it, it's it's they're they're all dressed in colonial clothing. And they actually go through, they reenact this battle. And he's on the colonist side. And so he said, they do the same thing every year. They turn, they start walking away, and then the British start to fire, and they start running. And he said, you know, then they turn and look back, and they some of them, the colonists, did start to shoot back. But they shot in just bursts of, they couldn't see anything. It was just complete cloud because the gunpowder just creates, even just for one gun, and when they had so many British shooting, it was all close, so they just shot into just smoke, and they were able to wound, barely wound two British officers, and that was it. And he said, you know, when they start coming at them, then the British, when they had, they didn't take the 20 seconds it takes to reload after shooting at the colonists, they started running at them with bayonets, and he said, even though, even though it was not really in the battle, he goes, there's nothing in my life more terrifying than having I run as fast as I can possibly go as these British soldiers are coming at me with their bayonets coming at me. He goes, it is absolutely terrifying. And I can't even imagine just reenacting it, how scary it is, even when you know they're not really going to kill you. But I just can't even imagine the amazing courage that these colonists had, because of course, 
Of course, they were terrified. Of course, they were afraid. But that's what courage is, is to stand up when you're afraid and do the right thing and stand for righteousness and stand for liberty. And that is what true courage is. And these amazing people were so courageous. And, and Chris, thank you for bringing that up because, yes, the women and children literally watched from the windows of their homes as many of their loved ones, their husbands, fathers, and, and sons were just mowed down. So, yeah, so they continued on to Concord, which was just four, five miles up the road. They continued on there because they knew that's where the, the cache of ammo was. And they got into Concord. By this time, they ended up getting to Lexington about 5.50 in the morning. And by the time they got to Concord, it was 8. So it was fully light. It was completely daytime and fully light. And um, they, when they arrived... There were hundreds and hundreds of Minuteman Patriot colonists who had gathered now in Concord because they had gathered from, they had runners and the belfries that were ringing and the runners that were going out to all the different little communities and called the Minutemen together. And so now there was time to get literally hundreds of them. And they were on the other side of the bridge in Concord and they, the British were coming, and they actually met right at the bridge. And the British could not get over the bridge because the colonists were there stopping them. Now the colonists were in a completely different situation because the colonists had been fired upon. They were now defending themselves and defending their country. And so the colonists had the opportunity to now fire upon the British, which they did. And the British, realizing that they were now being attacked, the British turned immediately and started literally running back the 14 miles back to the Boston Harbor. They took off and started running. And we are going to take another break, and I hope you're on the edge of your seat. We will come back and finish this story. of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. You guys, your customer service and everything, you guys are great. And the commercials talk about it, but I don't know if it really gives it true justice. People need to know, this is maybe the most amazing product I've ever tried. It's so pure, it tastes so good, I'm just blown away by it. Balance of Nature is now offering 35% off on any new preferred order. Go to balanceofnature.com today and use discount code USA. At the American Veterinary Medical Association annual convention in Washington, D.C., I spoke with Dr. John Howe, AVMA president, about One Health. One Health is really a collaboration between physicians and veterinarians or public health officials. For example, in Minnesota, our state public health veterinarian deals with zoonotic diseases, rabies, for example. Animals are sentinels for humans, and humans are sentinels for some infections in animals. There's more valuable information at AVMA. 
The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. Hi, this is Brian Hyde. Several months ago, I was introduced to a small Idaho technology company called Pure Light that's invented a new type of light bulb that's simply amazing. Their LED light bulbs make all other light bulbs obsolete. And I've actually had a chance to put them to work in my own home. Now, these are bulbs that eliminate odors, including pet odors and chemical smells. They eliminate mold. They eliminate deadly germs, even the tough-to-kill ones like MRSA or E. coli or salmonella. They eliminate smells. They eliminate deadly chemicals from the air, just like a $1,000 plus air purification machine would do, only for a whole lot less with these Pure Light LED bulbs. And you know what? They work as advertised, and they're already being used in thousands of homes, businesses, schools, assisted living facilities, medical facilities, government buildings, and more. Find out for yourself. Go to pure-light.com. That's pure-light.com, the next generation of light bulb. Welcome back. This is Delaine England and my co-host, Chris Kimball. And we're so happy that you've joined us. We're going to finish telling you the amazing story of the Battle of Lexington and Concord. And so the British, they turn and they start running and they literally are running away from Concord or running away from the colonists. The colonists do. They chase after them, but they also, the colonists are You know, the colonists are shooting with turkey guns. They're not shooting with the most accurate guns ever. And so they're, and they also are what I would consider smart and wise. They don't want to fight unprotected. They did fight, many of them fought in the French and Indian War, and they didn't fight like the British did. They realized if you want to win, you got to fight more like the Native Americans did. And so they ran along the pathway, they'd run over the hills, and they would run uh, on, and they would hide behind the rock walls. They'd hide behind the mountains and the hills. Well, there's no mountains, but the hills. And so then when the British would, would, would march past, they would fire upon them um, in the back. And so they were able to just continue to volley and fire. So the colonists were kind of hidden. They could take cover. Even several of the families in their homes would open their windows and they put their guns out and they literally shot the British as they ran by. Now these British had been up all night. They had been from 10 o'clock at night. They were delayed because they had crossed in the bay. They had to cross the river and they got held up with deep swamp. They got their, their canoes were stuck in the swamp muck and they got their caught in there and, and they, 
it took them an extra couple of hours and they were anticipating to get out of that muck. And so think about going through that and then marching all night long and then having these two battles and then running, literally trying to run back another 14 miles backwards to the Boston Harbor to safety. And they had to just be beyond exhaustion, just absolutely exhausted. But, and of course, the colonists had mostly been up most of the night, um, but they were fired up, might I say. They were absolutely on fire. They wanted, this was their opportunity, and now they felt like war had been declared on them. And so all the way back, they were hiding in different places, and they were firing upon the British. And so this was, this is why they call it the shot heard around the world, because this is where the colonists, the ragtag farmer colonists of, of the, on the American continent took on the most powerful army that the world had ever seen, the British army. You know, Delane, what I thought was really interesting is, you know, you know some things about some of the uh, these founding fathers and John Hancock, I learned so much about him. I mean, I just admire this guy. Not only does he have this big signature so that King George can be sure to read his name on the Declaration of Independence, but he, the reason why, um, you know, the English wants to squelch this rebellion. And so everyone kind of thinks it's this taxation without representation that was making the colonists so uptight, but they'd been, they'd been enduring a lot, a long chain of abuses over a long period of time. But the kicker, the kicker was the government, the king dispersed their government. He took all their yeah. government away. They had no representation locally. They didn't have a city council. They didn't have a town council. They didn't have a governor. They, it was all stripped away. And so what did the colonists do over there? They elected their own governor. And they elected John Hancock to be their governor. So they just nullified what the king had decreed. And so it was just... Whatever the king was doing, they would just override it. So he takes away their government, and they just said, we'll create our own government. We don't need your British We're like, government. We're totally great with we'll that. We'll have our, our own. own. So they, they elected um, John Hancock to be the governor, and they, and they formed their own council, and they had their own meetings, and they were gathering. I want our listeners to realize they were restricting the ability for the colonists to gather they said, exactly. you cannot gather anymore. You can't be amongst each other. They didn't want them to be um, getting together and talking and being able to communicate with each other because that was threatening to them. And yeah, it's hard to control people a bell to they get together. When people get together and they visit, it's very hard to control them. If you keep does, them does that ring a bell? Isolated. Yes, it is nothing different than what we are going through here. And it's been so fascinating because... I just love Boston so much. I love this place. I love, there's such a strong spirit here. Every time I come, I just never tire of it. It's beautiful. I can just, just imagine and what it was like to live here. And you can feel it because much as I, you know, as you know, the constitution is very clear at how much land the federal government can own 10 square miles, 10 miles square, I should say 10 miles square of land that the federal government can own and then posts and post office and ports and those kinds of buildings and then Navy and military buildings and things like that. But they can't just own 
um, parks and that thing. But the federal government has, there is a national park here, and they have done an excellent job preserving these homes and preserving the pathway. You can go right along the pathway, and they have markers. And I love the fact that they have put markers of where many of the American colonists that died in the battle were buried, but also they put markers where the British soldiers sacrificed their lives for their country because they had a love of country. They left their homeland of England and came to, to defend their king. But I, I think, yes, it's, it's so interesting, Chris, that while we've been here, this land of liberty, this land, that, the birthplace of liberty, there, that many of the people have surrendered their liberty so easily and so quickly and so fully. You cannot even go outside here without wearing a muzzle on your face. Yes. We go, I mean, Chris and I mostly don't wear one, but um, that we are being chastised and reprimanded and told. And there's posts, there's on the post all over the place, it's posted, this is a mandatory, even outside is a mandatory place to wear a mask, um, which is so interesting. But it it is interesting how... We are so accustomed, we do grow accustomed to evils, and we get used to them, and we allow them to happen. Well, Delaine, I wanted to mention that on Patriot Day, what was fun is we were, we just finished up in Lexington, and we were heading over to Concord, and as we went up Massachusetts Avenue, there's a park that was behind the commons, and lo and behold, there were some modern-day patriots at the park having a defend, defend, the, defend the Blue Rally. Defend yeah. the Blue Rally. So guess who those people happened to be? They were actually Trump supporters, of course. And they were there to just have a concert. They had this amazing band that played. They, they were smart. They're used to having the counter um, the counter uh, BLM group come and chant and, and protest whenever they show up. But it was amazing to see these patriots showing up on Patriot Day, no mask, celebrating their liberty with a live band playing music. And, and they had some great speeches and different people. It went on for four or five hours. It was fantastic it to see that there were patriots that are still modern-day lovers of liberty that are out there and uh, moms with kids and dads. And it was, it was fantastic. It was so fun. And it was, it's so fun to meet people who will not wear a mask outside who just say no. And we had, when we were on our tour, um, we had a man come up to the group of, because almost everybody was wearing their mask. And, and he said, Hey, take your masks off and you'll understand liberty a lot more. And I just loved it. I just loved that so much that here's a, a man with the courage and the determination and the critical thinking to realize that we really do need to step forward. We need to step forward. But as Thomas Jefferson said, we, we, we kind of put up with it for a long time until we just can't take it anymore. So, you know, Delaine, is, I, I really think that I, I, gained so much more respect and, um, and understanding and love for our founders and the colonists and the Minutemen and the patriots by learning this history. And it's something we have to teach our children. And that's what I think yes. is most important. This history has to be taught.
taught and learned so that we respect and honor the liberty that we have. We, we know how to hang on to we it. We don't realize it. Yes. And they made such amazing sacrifices. And okay. John Hancock is a hero because he had everything to lose and he surrendered all of it for us. So I just want to remind everyone, happy Patriot's Day. And remember that you are the guardians of your liberty. Thank you. Thank you.